Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access, and you're listening to Conversations with Pat and Charles. These two goofballs will make you laugh, and you'll learn a little bit something about Star Wars. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is... Episode 27. With the emergence of the First Order comes the familiar menace of a masked figure, cloaked in black, wielding a force, and a red saber to the misfortune of his enemies. This grandson of Darth Vader is full of hatred and malice, but the hope of royalty and rebellion coursed through his veins. Nice. And who are we talking about? Kylo Ren. Yes. Or as we know Darth him. Darth Vader. Oh, what? No. Yes. Ben Solo. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think to, to do this whole thing justice, um, we have to start with first appearance Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. Because okay. when they're on Jakku and uh, Poe and BB-8 and um, Lor Santeca and the what look to be stormtroopers and Imperials come, um, you know, First Order, of course, uh, and then that ramp drops down and yes. the music and that, yes. that new theme, Kylo's theme, you know. Um, and then he comes out and you're like, oh, well, there's this dude, I guess. And, yeah. um, and you're like, well, he looks like not such a good guy. And John Williams is telling me he's not such a good guy. So, um, and I know he's not a good guy because I hear his, his bad guy theme. I hear ominous music. Right. And whenever there's ominous music, it's bad news. So, um, you know, you're like, oh, this guy's not so good. And then you hear, you know, him um, talking to Lord Santeca and right. Lord's like, I knew you before you called yourself Kylo Ren and all this. And he's like, you'll die, slice. Um, <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, that's not good. And the saber, you see his saber, you're like, oh, well, that's cool. I mean, yeah. I don't know what's going on with that cross guard, but I like it. Yeah, that's definitely different from uh, anything we've seen in any of the uh, the saga at this point. Yes. Um, but then when Poe fires his blaster at him, Ugh. and he just stops the blaster bolt, and you're like, oh, well, that's a game changer also. You yeah, know? <laughs> we've got lots of game changers here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad news for the good guys, I guess. Um, now, I, I remember when we watched it together, and... We were we witnessed that uh, blaster bolt freeze, and we both looked at each other, mouth agape. It was unbelievable to see that on film. And then we, our reaction to each other was like, "What just happened?" And yeah. then of course, uh, Poe had the same reaction when he's walking by. It. Yeah, he <laughs> how is this happening? Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Very new and exciting, and it kicked off the yes. uh, 
the sequel trilogy with kind of a um a, a threat. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's no Darth Vader, which he's not. I mean, he's because no. Darth Vader died. Um, but <laughs> you know, the bottom line is this dude's this dude's scary. So Laura Santeca knows Kylo Ren's lineage, and he yeah. he gives the viewers us the uh, understanding that he has knowledge of his history and before he's turned into Kylo Ren. So it's like, okay, this uh, old dude hiding out on this new planet has the story on this guy. And then, mm-hmm. of course, he proceeds to chop him down. Yes. <laughs> for, for his pains, yes. And, uh, yeah, it was quite surprising that quickly to have that sort of graphic or, let's say, uh, surprising act of violence uh, that quickly. Yes. You know, there's been other examples of it, but like a very personal is a very intimate uh, and quick death for sure. And not only that, um, you know, he had already been captured mm-hmm. and you, you could assume that he was unarmed. Right, right. So it was very it's, it's, he posed no threat. Correct. Yeah, except right. to Kylo's ego. Yes. And, you know, he wanted to whine about it and, and, and slice, give him the old slice and dice. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. And that's exactly it. And it's like almost, you know, you think would have Lord Santeca uh, lived through that encounter had he not mentioned, you know, I know your past, I know where you came from, and bringing up what he became from the person uh, he was. Well, it's an interesting point, and I think that um, – you know, that's part of him letting the past die. Okay. Uh, uh, Not right. a whole lot of people know who he was. And um, he, Lore reminded him that he knew who he was. And um, so he had to go. Right. No, that's that's an inch, very interesting interpretation. That's a fantastic interpretation because that fits right within his character and what he talks about almost the entire series until he turns back into Ben. That's... Gives us the impression that he's not such a good dude. Right. Okay. And then, and then when Phasma comes up and she's all, what do we do with the villagers? And he's like, kill them all. You're like, wait, no, that's not, that's, um, <laughs> that's a bad idea. <laughs> well, one person does that. Well, yeah, one, one trooper does that. Everyone else seems to be okay with the idea. Right. Right. Yeah. Apart from the villagers, of course. are like, wait, this guy's yeah. not good. Um, but then it, he's even worse when um, he confronts Han Solo. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because sure. that doesn't end well. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. For anyone. Anyone. Like, I, was, I, was, I was mad. I saw it coming a mile away. I knew, like... Here's this long walkway over a cavern that has no railings, by the way. Right. Another that's, I'm pretty failure. sure that's an OSHA violation. But <laughs> space OSHA. SOSHA space. violation. So- um, but. <laughs> Sorry. So, I mean, it's just, it's obviously like this spells trouble. This yes. whole scenario. It's, yes. just, it's it's going to end very badly. So you know that going into the scene, or I, at least I knew that going into the scene. And then to 
watch that scene unfold, you're like, oh, this is not going to end well. And then it doesn't. No. And you're no. still like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you- I know I just went in my head and was like, this isn't going to end well. But this really didn't end well. Not at all. And the the hint of of Kylo's transformation, or at Ugh. least the or the uh, coming back to the light, where he's almost tricking Han—not tricking, but he's leading down a false path of saying, "I don't know what to do. I'm torn." You know, like the whole the whole line where, like, you're thinking, "Wait a second, is he actually going to come back to Han?" And you know, is he be able to fly back with him in the Millennium Falcon? Nope. No. 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 Unfortunately, he runs him through. Yeah. He does. He yeah. does. Very terrible. And and Han knows it. As um as it's uh wrapping up, he's like, Oh, well this you're not letting go of your saber and <laughs> it's inside oh, of here me. it comes, I guess. <laughs> um so And of course the, the subtle lighting, of course the change, the darkness and the redness that's coming from the uh, from the, the uh, gallery for... sucker from the from the sun it sucks yes. the light from the sun correct yes and then it gets all dark and yeah Ugh. yeah it's yeah very foreboding bad scene, scene. It's a yeah. bad scene i yeah. hate it and it's never easy to watch doesn't, doesn't matter how many times i've seen it it's never easy to witness yeah yeah it's 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 bad yeah <laughs> i mean i mean it's necessary storytelling yes. and and a yeah. lot of the whole Harrison Ford thinking Han should die, you know, he redeemed himself, and now his story has no place to go. Everybody knows that. And if you don't, Harrison Ford thought Han Solo should die. So, yes. Yeah. Um, I think that was that was part of the um, coming back to the franchise. Was, right. Okay. You know, hey, uh, you know, he respects JJ, and JJ was like. Hey, so we're gonna do Star Wars, and uh, everybody else is in, and uh, Han Solo's gonna die. And he was like, "I'll do it." Um, so that's uh, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, kid, whatever. As long as I, uh, as long as I don't have to come back for the Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> and he didn't have to. And he didn't have to. No. Well, um, what about the Rise of Skywalker? What do you think about that? <laughs> well, yeah, you see, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about, about it. it. We'll, we'll see what um, happens in Jedi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, bringing up the whole, um, point with Lord Santeca knowing who he was. Yeah. If we go back to the Rise of Kylo Ren comic series, the miniseries. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 Um, Unky Luke takes him on, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> takes takes him on a um on a journey of sorts. He's um you know only been trained by uh Obi-Wan very briefly and then Yoda in the swamp. So he doesn't really know a whole lot about the Jedi as an order or mm-hmm. as a um religion or practice or whatever you want to call it because that's the only exposure he had, and then everybody died. So right. yeah. He, yeah. he doesn't have that sort of history that one would get with Jedi training. You know, when well, yeah. on Coruscant, when they would, when the younglings would train, and they would have, like, Jedi high, 
and they would learn stuff. Um, he <laughs> didn't know how to learn stuff because he didn't have any of the resources. So right. he started um, uh, going all over the galaxy looking for uh, Jedi talisman trinkets, um, uh, things that were important to the Jedi to sort of collect them and learn from them. Yeah. And um, he took uh, an explorer named Lor Santeca mm-hmm. and his nephew, his first student, Ben Solo, to go on one of these missions to find these artifacts. Right. But do you think that there was any potential for emotional attachment to Lor Santeca in that phase where they were traveling together that would have added more weight to him? cutting him down at the beginning of The Force Awakens? I don't know. Um, See, I feel like he was kind of an angsty teen when that was happening, and he didn't want to be on this trip anyway. Okay. And he's like, oh, Uncle Luke's dragging me along to this thing. And it wasn't until, um, you know, they arrive at this... um, location that had these um this whole like jedi treasure trove um that luke was like hey ben i'm glad you're here with me to witness this and all and he kind of felt like important at that point but you know the whole you know um lead up to that he's sitting in the back like i can't even listen to my music um (laughs) like yeah like it's almost like i'm grounded i have to go with my uncle to this far off outer rim place right um, he's like this is lame lame, lame. Um, but so i don't i don't know if, if that was one of their only times going um but i feel like he um was kind of not uh as emotionally attached to lor santeca as he would have been to luke or Chewy or any of them, um, because um, he obviously grew up with Chewy. He had his his uncle yeah. Chewy yeah. and Uncle Wando, um, yeah. and um, you know obviously his father and and uh, and all those people that he was born around. I feel yeah. like Lor Santeca knew them and had kind of palled around with them, but wasn't like that influential in Ben's life. Right. Right. I'm sure and, I'm sure he and Luke had uh more of a relationship than um he and Ben did. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And who knows right how answer. long it's the right, right answer. answer. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a test later. Yes, there will be. I hope you wrote notes because that was the right answer. That was the number I, one answer I, I too. Notes. Okay. But Kylo was born like a year after Return of the Jedi. So he'd been around for a little while before any of that happened with Lor Santeca and all. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny when you think back to um, uh, the Aftermath Life Debt, that's the middle book uh, Mm. in the Aftermath series. And, you know, I guess we could call it uh, Ben's first appearance, um, chronologically speaking. Uh, is where uh, Leia has that force vision of 
well, well, I guess it could be called a forced vision, but she has that feeling that she knows she's pregnant because she's had the morning sickness and everything, but then she has that innate feeling that she's going to have a boy. And mm-hmm. from that point on, the uh, his her pregnancy and then his birth, of course, becomes that uh, underlying concern then for both Leia and Han as uh, parents and how they sort of work through the you know, the galaxy and all the turmoil they're going through. But then with Uncle Luke, who is the the last Jedi at this point, and where he steps in as uh, at the request of Leia and Han to uh, take over his training because he obviously needs guidance in that. And, of course, that's where the, uh, the story picks up with um, – the uh, the training and the like in the uh, rise of Kylo Ren, especially in that second. By the way, it's in the second comic book that we see uh, Luke and Laura Santeca uh, in the ship there. Yes, um, in the first one, it's a, it's kind of jumps around initially, and once you get yeah. a grasp of that, then you can kind of follow it a little more clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the when they when they land and they they come across this. Um, this area. Well, what would you, how would you describe what it is? It's like it's like um, it's like Ariel's treasure trove in The Little Mermaid, but it's like all <laughs> Jedi stuff. <laughs> it's like a yes, it's like a a treasure room in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but full of Jedi uh, artifacts. Oh my yeah. God, you're a dork. <laughs> you're calling me a dork. <laughs> okay, okay, pot. <laughs> oh, uh, it's pronounced Pat. Yes. Either way. Either way. Um, it's pronounced nerd. Um, yeah. So but yeah, it is. It's very much like a relic, a relic room of of sorts. Yeah, and he's like, Luke's like, look at all this cool stuff, and uh, and Kyle and Ben, Ben is like. Oh yeah, this stuff is pretty cool. And then there's this dude named Ren who's got like weird like burns all over. He doesn't wear a shirt, so I guess maybe yes. that's where he's like, if I'm gonna be named Ren, I have to have a shirtless scene. I right. guess I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, so there's this Ren, and yes. he has his knights who are coincidentally called the Knights of Ren, and he <laughs> kind of says, look, we're taking this stuff, and Luke's like, no, you're not. It's Jedi stuff, and I'm the last Jedi, so it's my stuff, and they're like, you want to fight about it? And he's like, yup. <laughs> so, so basically, Ben um, protects Lor Santaka. Right, and, right. And Luke basically hands them their banthas um, and just just sends them sends them packing with their tails between their legs and before he le- he says look I'll make you a deal if you guys leave then great if you don't I'm gonna have to kill you so yes so they're like all right I guess we'll choose to live but before we go hey there youngster um, if you get bored of doing this Jedi stuff, come hang out with us. Yeah. Which is like a weird thing to do to like to, to preteen or teenager. Cause it's like, all right, 
It's just it's like predatory much. Come yes. on. You yes. already have no shirt on. <laughs> and you're like telling this kid, come hang out with us. We've got candy in our spaceship. Um, that, it's like, no, don't do that. And then Luke's like, get out of here, you creeps. So then they leave. Um, yeah. But but talk that, about a, a but talk about an extension for uh, Ren at this point and the Knights of Ren to reach out to Ben because obviously they they felt his darkness. They felt and he the could, shadow. He, he could, yeah, he, the shadow. Yeah. He, Sense the shadow, or... right? Yeah. And at that point, even at that point, I mean, Ben had been to a certain degree shuttled off to Uncle Luke for training, feeling that abandonment from his parents. And even at this early critical stage, he's still searching for that uh, that bond with someone who sort of completes him, or at least allows him to shine more than uh, Uncle Luke is by keeping him under wraps and not allowing him to get to his full potential. Yeah, and go guard Lor Santeca. I'll fight yeah. these guys. Yeah. Even yeah. Even that kind of stuff is like, look, I know I can do more than this. He was he was Luke's star pupil. Yeah. In the Jedi Academy, he was his first pupil. Um, and you know, even the um other students were like, this guy's legit. He can like yeah. lift rocks yep. and stuff. Uh, um, <laughs> and. <laughs> and he was he was more advanced than any of them and, and one of them made it a competition to try and best him at some of their trials and, and couldn't because she wasn't a good. Um right. but he in this time of his uncertain well first of all first of all he started training with Luke in 15 ABY, which makes him 10 years old. Wow. The same age as his grandfather when he started training. Wow. I did not know that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, not only that, but he was um, approached through, I guess, the Force by Snoke. He's kind of conversing with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. While under the tutelage of Luke and even even on this flight to find these artifacts. And, um, you know, Snoke, Palpatine, whoever, whatever. And in the, in the comic, it's got... Snoke talking to him and he's talking back and just kind of, you know, uh, mentally talking, not, not verbally. Yeah. But no. then, um, but then in one of the illustrations, it's the Emperor that he's talking to. Did you notice that? No, in the comic book, no, no. Go back and, go back and read it. Um, cause ah, it's there. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah. So. And I had asked you a question, actually. I had uh, also asked uh, – I submitted on our behalf to uh, the Galactic Podcast as well because uh, they had a question. They had just finished their um, review of Bloodline, and oh. I was reading Bloodline as well, just a review for this episode. And it occurred to me is the – at what point did uh, Kylo Ren – well, sorry. Why, what point did Ben Solo 
hear or discover that his grandfather was Darth Vader. And you and I talked about it, and so today it was because it's, it's a pretty interesting question because we see, as like you just brought up in the comic book, Snoke was already speaking to him, all, and obviously the Emperor was speaking to him. And um, the the day that the Casterfo, um, uh, uh, he's the character in Bloodline that uh, reveals that her father is Darth Vader, that night she's concerned about how, of course. She has to record a message for uh, Han, but also one for Ben. Now, it's not clear in the book that whether it's a letter or hollow or how he got it, and it's never addressed of when he received it, if ever. Uh, but it's a fascinating point of like – because she literally says uh, in Bloodline that Ben is going to find out that her his grandfather is Darth Vader in the worst way publicly. So yeah. she's concerned immediately that it's he's going to be broadsided by the news. However, uh, however fitting <laughs> or however happy he may be uh, to hear it or however manipulative it is going to be turned uh, to sort of bring him to the dark side by Snoke slash uh, the Emperor. Yeah, uh, I read somewhere. I don't remember where, but I read that she had intended to tell him when he's older and – Intended to tell him when he's older. Yeah. And you know how that goes. Right. And um, he's older, older, older. And then, of course, I believe he gave his parents a little trouble and um, maybe sliced up their uh, their computer monitors. I don't know. I don't know what he did. But, um, you know, at that point, you know, he was 10 when he started training <laughs> with Luke. So... I would think that maybe at 10 years old, you're not quite old enough to get that bomb dropped in your lap. Um, right. So then he started training with Luke out with Luke, not with his parents, you know. So I right. think that at that point, it's like, oh, well, I, you will, we'll tell him at some point. But it's not, um, not something that was um, – really pressing and urgent and i i and the, the part that i read was somewhere um like into his 20s wow yeah which is crazy because he started to turn to the dark side around 17 okay, okay. and um you know he was kind of being influenced by the master manipulator and right. um, and Snoke and all and um, and kind of being molded at 17. So if he's 20 when he finds that out, that's three years of the seeds being planted right. before that bomb goes off. You know? Right. And then and then yeah, the like almost the training to take that news. Uh, for the wrong purpose at that point. Yeah, to fulfill yeah. his destiny. destiny. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so uh, there was that. And also um, he mentally verbalized to Snoke that he felt that his uncle Luke was holding him back. Right, right. Which is, again, very similar to how... Anakin felt about Obi-Wan and the and the um the Jedi. Yep. Yep. The council and everything, they were holding him back. They wouldn't grant him the rank of master and it's not fair. Yes. 
So, you know, there's there's some interesting parallels between them, which, you know, I, I don't believe Ben knew those sort of details about his grandfather. Um, but I think sort of in their nature, they crave. Right, right. Yep. Crave and it's, that, that yeah. power, that leadership, that advancement, and, um, you know, they they feel that if they're not getting it, they're they're being treated unjustly, and therefore they rebel, like they both right. did. Yeah. No, that's totally makes sense. And the uh, and again, like you said before, with the master manipulator in the background, making mm-hmm. the framing the entire history, whether it's pro or con, always making it for his purposes and for his benefit, of course, and uh, whether or not. Uh, ben uh, and, and then eventually Kylo becomes part of his final solution for his eventual uh, <clears throat> for his eventual uh, life continuation. Uh, it's almost irrelevant. He's just a tool. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and that's he was he was headed down that path anyway. When mm. um, we all know the scene in the Last Jedi when when Luke's, you know, ignites his saber and and then um, Ben kind of uh, has had enough. Right. Um, he destroys the, the the temple there, the huts and the whole bit. And a couple of the Jedi students go after him. Yeah. So there's, there's three of them and... One of them, um, he like force pushes and she falls off this ledge and he kind of suspends her in the air. Yeah. He doesn't want her to die, he just wants them to leave him alone. Right. So, and then this other one gets the bright idea that while she's suspended in air using his concentration, he's gonna like chuck his lightsaber at him. And, hmm. uh, of course he breaks his concentration on that so as not to be struck by a flung lightsaber. And um, then she she falls, and then he uh, <laughs> he ends up uh, killing one of those um, Jedi students. Yeah, so, and you can yeah, and you can see too the pain on his face. Like he has yeah. that doubt in some of those panels where you know it's not about uh, happiness, of course. It's more about oh crap, what did I just do? Yeah, and that happens several times. What have times. I done? <laughs> I killed them all. A little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very good. And so you see that again, even obviously at that early stage, the stronger uh, debate that he's having with himself about the path that he's following, you know. And of course, that's like brand new, fresh at that point. Yeah, and then he. So when he. Finds Ren and his knights, um, as he does find them. Uh, yeah. They they say, look, you know, to to join our club, you gotta have. There must be a death, and it has yeah. to be a good death. A good death. So he's yeah. like, I killed a Jedi student, and well, no, first he's like, I killed Luke Skywalker, and they're like, really? That dude kicked all of our asses. Yeah. There's no way you yeah. killed. <laughs> Not- not He's really like, sure about that one. Well, you didn't let me finish. I killed Luke Skywalker's student. 
So, so it's like, all right, well, okay, tell me about it. So then he kind of tells them about the students and all, and they're like, you didn't really care about that person, so that's not a good death. That's right. no denied. He then um, kind of something clicks in his mind, and he's like, oh well, I guess this would be a worthy death is killing Ren. So um, guess what? I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. So, so he kills Ren and um, then takes on the mantle of Kylo Ren. He he then pals around with with the Knights of Ren and 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 winds up with the First Order and and doing his thing with them, kind of uh, being special and having the uh, the shadow um, or the dark side as we know it. And really is is seen as not only a tremendous asset to the First Order, but also, you know, you figure Snoke is leading the First Order. So if he's been manipulating Kylo Ben and kind of setting him on this path, then he would also want to fast track his involvement with the First Order. Right. And send him straight up to, uh, you know... Supreme leader in training. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Command. Or the, you know, or the, yeah, the, the assistant supreme leader. Right. The assistant to the supreme leader. Right. The uh, VP of operations and the assistant to the. That's a Dwight Schrute um, reference. Oh, right there. gotcha. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Now, before we get further into that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're right back with some explorations into the visual dictionary. Yeah, I'm married. Does it matter? You'd do that for me? Really? Yeah, I'd like that. Who are you talking to? It's Jar Jar from Otakunga Insurance. Yeah, it sounds like a really good deal. Jar Jar from Otagunga At three in the morning? Who is this? It's Jar Jar from Otagunga. What are you wearing, Jar Jar from Otagunga? Misa? Misa wearing some mooey bombad khakis. She sounds hideous. Well, she's a guy, and he's a gungan, so... Like an annoying neighbor, Jar Jar is there. That's a me! Dewey insurance is not applicable when rebel vehicles are involved. Oh, wood! Okay, and we are back, and uh, thanks for sticking around. Um, we appreciate that, and uh, we also appreciate our sponsors, of course. That's fascinating. So, oh, yeah. Yes, and so we are talking just before the break about The Force Awakens and how uh, Kylo Ren was ingrained within the First Order. And he was out, obviously outside of the military. He wasn't a, uh, a military personnel. He was the protege of Snoke. And uh, a couple of cool bits for the Visual Dictionary that uh, weren't mentioned in the movie was that Snoke had decreed that the – Name Ben Solo never be never be spoken. So when he chose that name of Kylo Ren and he became Kylo Ren, Snoke said, "Okay, no more Ben Solo. That's nixed from everything." Sort of like the uh, sort of like uh, uh, the Harry Potter guy there, uh, Harvey Porter in the uh, yeah. In the, in the room of <laughs> <laughs> um, Harvey Porter. Um, so ridiculous, uh, which, which makes the whole, um, exchange between him and Han even more, uh, jarring. 
Yes, because exactly. everything's quiet, and 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 Han walks out, and he and he yells, "Ben!" Yeah, yeah. Which which is, you know, the, the he who shall not be named. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's and then that how jarring that must have been for him to hear it because you know yeah. how many years that he had not heard it at all and like you know ingrained with the uh, the name Kylo Ren and um, Ben Solo being stricken from anybody saying it. So it must have been jarring for that. And um, I know you and I had talked about this at one point, um, not on the podcast yet, uh, but um, in The Force Awakens, his private quarters are pure black. And you can hardly see anything to contrast. Even when you see uh, Vader's uh, mask, it's on sort of a grayish pedestal and in that uh, – in sort of the, the cinders. Uh, and But everything around him is all black. And, of course, his – quarters through the, the trilogy actually get lighter and lighter until the uh until uh, the force awakens but it's very stark difference when you get a picture of it in not only the movie but also in the um the visual dictionary where you see just how uh dark and black his private quarters are that's part of the visual identification of of the good guys and bad guys yeah. and yeah. i think did we talk about that with luke in return of the jedi i don't know if we did no, uh, we haven't. We'll spoken. talk about it when we talk about Luke, I guess. Yes. yes. When are we going to talk about Luke? No, we, we've got him penciled in there, but uh, we, keep yeah. shifting him in our, we keep shifting him around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's going to be a yeah. good one. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so so that sort of um, very old school um, Western, uh, you know, motif of the yeah. – Yep. Black hats and the white hats. You knew that, you know, the white hats were the were the good guys. Um, not the white hoods, but the white hats. Correct. The good yes. guys. And um, and the black hats were the, you know, the bank robbers or the outlaws and yeah. all that. So you you knew immediately who to root for. Yes. And um, one of the things I guess we'd talk about later is um. How there's a there's a bit of a graying in Star Wars as the series goes on, mm-hmm. and um, you know your 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 Darth Vader, of course, you see him and he's all in black, and you're like, yeah, this dude's bad news. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got your your light side, you've got Poe, who's you know good, but you know maybe makes some not great decisions. You know what right. I mean? Kind yes. of. Yep. And Mace Windu, that kind of is is a good guy, but kind of makes some questionable choices. You know, it's, it's stuff like that where where the the lines are not so clear. Correct. The further you get into these characters. Yes. You know? Yes. And um, and to kind of see see that color shift or um. Or dynamic change mm-hmm. from the Force Awakens to the Rise of Skywalker is um, is is interesting because you can you 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 know that there's that struggle inside from from the get go really yes yeah um, from the introduction of character to starting to see that especially in the Last Jedi when he starts to connect with Rey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The Force FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. 
Yes, yes. So when when he's speaking with her and 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 seeing her, and they're kind of doing that whole back and forth. He's trying to pull her to the dark. She's trying to pull him to the light. And I mean, to a certain extent, she's like, well, maybe. But I think to more of an extent, he's intrigued by her and still has that pull to the light. Yes. Yep. So, um, it, it, it's definitely a possibility, a change that you start to think is possible. Correct. You know, when he yep. kills Han, you're like, oh, this dude's too far gone. Yeah. And, you know, even Han and Leia were talking about him being too far gone and, um, and, and how he's, he's kind of, you know, gone off the deep end. But then you kind of see him start to come around. You think, think to yourself, well, maybe there, there might be hope for this, this guy yet. And, and uh, Leia certain like Leia certainly sensed that too. Like when she was talking to Han just before they left for the mission uh, on Star Killer, you know, I still sense good in him. And yeah. you know, you're his father, and which is really fascinating turn of events when you consider Luke saying the same thing in um, uh, in uh, Return. You know, like it's the it's that just switching of characters, but also the same patterns and. Uh, obviously, it's the same family, but she still sensed that good in him, and ultimately, she was right, obviously. Uh, but yeah, so even that conflict, even with the, the characters surrounding him, uh, still led you to believe that this is still possible. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's it's interesting the um, the I guess forced dyad as they call it between him and Ray. Where, you know, they're able to kind of have those very intimate interactions together from different places um, and not necessarily see their surroundings, but have uh, interaction with them. Yes. Depending on, you know, where where they are and how... um, how they're engaging where they could they could touch hands yes. on Octo. Yeah. Um was very um very interesting aspect of the force. Yes. The, and a changing part of the force, you know, like the uh, which is that's what I love about, you know, what JJ and then also Ryan Johnson did about how the force can change and especially with two beings as powerful as uh, as Kylo slash Ben and Ray. Mm-hmm. They, they, as vessels, make the force, or are, are, you know, make the force. They allow the force to work in different ways than we're used to because of their power, and that's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, and if you if you think of it as as a talent or a skill that one could um, acquire and master, yeah, you know, we we all have different skills. Different yeah. people are able to do different things here on Earth, and I would imagine that the same <laughs> principles apply um, in Star Wars, where you know not not every Jedi is great at everything, and not not even every Jedi can learn everything. No, based on no. based on their skill and their connection to the Force and that sort of thing. Right. 
Um, yeah. And th- their nature, their inherent nature within their person gives them uh, gives them the abilities that others don't like uh, Obi-Wan and, and creatures or animals, you know, like that affinity for animals and and uh, those types of things. So that the 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 force is in tune with the person who's using it. And obviously how you can see someone go to the dark side or, or the light side, but also with this dyad, just how powerful it can be when it's channeled in such open and uh, extremely strong ways. Yeah, and I think I think that sort of similar um, affinities to the Force on both of them, not only in strength, but you know his lineage is passed down from Anakin, who mm. was trained in part by her lineage. Correct. So. You have Palpatine that's, that's mm. been influencing Anakin. Uh. So, yeah, you're kind of headed oh. down that path, and you, you could have sort of similar skills. That's fascinating point. Oh. <laughs> that's fantastic. So let me just repeat what you just said. So you've got... The grandfather of Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo, having been trained, especially in the dark side of the Force, by Emperor Palpatine, and Rey being a uh, a uh, relative clone sendent, clone sendent, ooh, <laughs> as opposed to clandestine clone right. sendent. I we just you just coined that one hashtag on that one. Uh, clone sendent uh, of Palpatine is her family lineage. That is wow. Don't drop the mic, but you just dropped it. Oh, crap, that was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Stupid sponsors. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, I mean, these these are all um, I think way too interesting for. One episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it is because we're going to break this into two parts. We're going to delve into the other side of uh, of Kylo Ren and how it leads into uh, his turn and how it all ends up. Uh, there's a lot to talk about and an extremely, you know, when we first talked about doing Kylo and the, you know, we had him on the board, of course, to do. And have made obviously sense to see his final story as it played out in um, Rise of Skywalker. But how just how fascinating of a character and really one of the most iconic characters of the sequel trilogy. But right up there within the entire saga as a conflicted but uh, rich history. And of course, he's benefiting from the entire saga behind him. But he's a fascinating character. Yeah, really. Definitely is, and yeah. um, you know, uh, we haven't even talked about Adam Driver yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like in yeah. it or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely get to him when we uh, do part two. Yes. So, um, before we take a quick break, we're going to uh, hear from our friends over at It's True All of It. And they submitted their OT uh, question answers for us, and we're going to listen to those, and then oh, uh, we'll yeah, and uh, we'll come right back with that. Mm-hmm. 
tree. Bad place for living, shall? Ewok Nation make dead. Give little gold for big move of laboring. Guaranteed. The Ewok Tree Removal Service of Endor, taking care of pesky trees and Imperial troops since 6 BBY. Conversations, questions, answered by Zabologist and Dale. Well, hello there, Pat and Charles from Conversations. This is Zabologist and Dale from It's True, All of It. And we're here answering some of the questions that you asked us. So we're going to start off with Dale. So what is your fandom origin story? Okay, so I can remember here in Australia, we had to wait a super long time before the films came out. So I believe the the movies, the original trilogies came out in the US uh, in the May, and they did not come out until October in Australia. So it was quite a long wait. Well, you can remember that. I can remember it because I can remember it was a long time of promotion. And um, Mm -hmm. I just remember the trading cards and... Pictures in magazines and things, and it really got me curious. But I didn't go and see the film until 1978, uh, and um, was hooked and have not had a day since 1978 where I haven't thought about Star Wars. Wow, a true fan all the way through. Yeah, lucky me, huh? Okay, well, the second question that Conversations have asked us is for you, Dale. How does Star Wars impact your everyday life? Oh, God, this is so tragic. So I wake up in a bed that has Star Wars sheets in it. So that's how my day starts. That's like <laughs> mine with some figures posted yeah, on the wall exactly. as well. We're sad, aren't we? Um, and I talk to my friends about Star Wars. Um, I'm messaging Zarbologist all day about podcast things. I'm talking to my buddies from the Star Walking mm-hmm. In group. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, constant. Wow. Okay, and the third question they've asked us is, if you could have lunch with anyone from the Star Wars, would it? who would it be? And what would you talk about? So this could be anyone, including creators, artists, actors, characters. Does it have to be someone that's alive? We're being creative now? It doesn't say, so okay. go for it. Um, well, mine would be Carrie Fisher, and oh. I've got a reason for that. Um, I, Apart from Princess Leia, I loved her writing and have read all her books sometimes multiple times um, and love her wit and the poetry. She's got a great way way of um, putting her words together um, mm-hmm. that's quite unique and um, sort of emotionally efficient, efficient as well. They really pack a punch. Um, but the reason why I'd want to catch up with her is because I feel sometimes some of the other people – you can just go on YouTube and they're telling the same stories over and over again, yeah, which yeah, is nice to hear. Mean, but, yeah. but with her, you never knew what was going to come out of her mouth and that unpredictable nature and um, that playfulness I really like. Okay, and a bonus question for you, Dale. The Star Wars community in Australia is very strong from podcasts to fan groups like Star Walking. How has Star Wars helped make community stronger? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think because, I don't know, like we're, it's a big country, but we're all sort of linked together. There's a lot of us Mm. um, and we all sort of know each other. And I think the good thing is 
once someone sort of meets one person, they get included very easily. It's very inclusive and inviting and people are also very supportive of each other. There's no competitiveness. Um, you know, like we all promote each other's projects and really support mm. each other and uh, genuinely have a good time catching up. Uh, we all live relatively close to each other, I guess. So that makes catching up pretty easy. Um, as far as like the star walking group, well, that's been around forever and a day. Um, yeah, I've it, been a member since 99 myself. Yeah, I think it's like 88 or something. And even before that, it was called Hamels. So there's uh, how it makes the community stronger. Well, recently they did a fundraiser for the uh, firefighters and, mm. you know, they're walking around in stormtrooper yeah. helmets and suits in uh, Melbourne, in, in Sydney, um, summer and raise a lot of money. And so there's that community thing, um, you know, yeah, we're just really lucky and everyone's really good friends. So lucky us. Great. Thank you. Okay. Zarbologist, what is your fandom origin story? Well, my fandom origin story is as young as I can ever remember, I could have been two, three, or four years old. Star Wars was always around. I vividly remember Star Wars on TV for the first time in Canberra, Australia, where I was born. And my parents or someone was saying, this is the big movie, you've got to watch it. And have no idea why, but I loved it. Remember seeing Princess Leia and Darth Vader, those first scenes. And always having Star Wars figures. I always had the first few figures I had was Lando Calrissian, Lobot, and R2-D2. What a mix. <laughs> yeah, great fun playing with the Lobot one. Yeah, always wishing I had Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and Chewie, and eventually I got those. And I would have loved it so much all the way through primary school. However, when I got to year five in 1987, I thought, oh, it's time to grow up and stop playing with toys. So that's when I thought my Star Wars fun was going to end. But for some reason, I kept all my original Kenner figures. And it wasn't, again, until 1991, which is only, what, four years away. I was in high school and Timothy Zahn released Heir to the Empire. And I got right back into it, got into all the comics and announced myself as the biggest, best Star Wars fan ever, forever. So how does Star Wars impact your everyday life? I guess the way Star Wars affects my everyday life, one of the examples is that when people see something that's Star Wars related on Facebook or on the internet, they tag me and they think, oh, Michael would love this. This is so for Michael. He loves Star Wars. Or it's as if all my friends and family and people that I know relate Star Wars directly to me because they might not know other people that are huge Star Wars fans. And uh, like if I go out to meet new people and I'm wearing my Star Wars T-shirts, people will say, oh, wow, you like Star Wars too. What did you think of the new movie or the new TV series? They're very curious about my theories and opinions. And finally, all my friends seeing my huge Star Wars collection in my house, they just think that I'm the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. And I tell them, hey, there are other Star Wars fans out there. So, yeah, it's very connected to me. If you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, who would it be? What would you talk about? And anyone including creators, artists, actors, or characters? Well, one of my dreams has actually come true because I've spoken to Mike Quinn, which you can find on our episode, It's True, All of It, episodes 15 and 16 of the part one and the part two interview of Mike Quinn. And I talked to him about his puppetry, his experiences on Return of the Jedi. He mentioned a little bit about the Dark Crystal and the sequel movies that he's recently worked on. 
and just in general what, what he works on with puppeteering and animation. Uh, but to answer the question properly, I would have loved to have met Carrie Fisher because she's just so funny. She's honest. She's to the point. She says what she thinks. And I just feel I have that type of personality I could click with. And I would love to just uh, hear stories in person rather than just reading the books or reading, hearing them on documentaries. And um, I think I would also like to meet Mark Hamill because I believe he would be a great fun and a laugh to chat to because he seems like a lovely man. He seems pretty easygoing and easy to chat with. Uh, if it was a character, I would go for Yoda because he would be a lot of fun to talk to. Just get drunk with him. Let him ha- let his ears down and then he'll have many stories to tell over those 900 years. Well, maybe only 800 because baby Yoda still isn't talking at 50 years old. So maybe Yoda doesn't start speaking full proper sentences until he's 100. Well, how well are those sentences? Very constructed differently. Um, Yoda would also lend a lot of advice. Qui-Gon Jinn and Quinlan Voss would both be interesting to chat with. Firstly, Qui-Gon Jinn actually trained Yoda to become a Force ghost, so he would have been really connected with the Force, so it would be nice to hear how deep and intimate he is with his Jedi Force-sensitive training. And Quinlan Voss would just be interesting because he had to do a lot of those missions that where he connected to the dark side of the force. And I actually would love to know where he ended up because I'm not sure what's happened to him with through these comics and stories. I have read Dark Disciple, but I didn't get a lot out of him. So Quinlan Voss, tell me what's going on. And the bonus question. You've travelled to countries where English is not common, even though you speak multiple languages. Has Star Wars helped you bridge cultural gaps? That's a very good question. I'm not sure whether or not Star Wars has actually helped me to understand and learn about different cultures. However, maybe on a subconscious level it has. I do believe that that through all my experiences and curiosity, such as having that passion of wanting to learn about different cultures and their cultural history um, and how they are today and their food and their beliefs, um, I believe having that passion for those things has helped me to bridge those cultural gaps and being having my personality in, to interact with those individual people and just really loving it. I But I do believe and feel that towards the end of the end of Revenge of the Sith, when it was 2005 and I had completed my Star Wars collection, I then wanted to decide to spend my money on other things, which was travel, which was another hobby of mine. And this time I could combine my love of travel and Star Wars by traveling to places such as Tunisia, like the desert planet of Tatooine. So it's like Star Wars when you're watching the movies, the Millennium Falcons going from Tatooine then to Guatemala, the forest moon of Yavin 4, after a quick pit stop to the Death Star, of course. Um, And that was exciting to go there to see the rebel base in Guatemala. Massive, huge, would have been nice on footage and photos. And then travelling to Spain, Seville, the planet of Naboo, or Norway, Hoth, and yet to get to Skellig Michael. But I am really actually not answering the question properly here. I think I'm just getting sidetracked because I'm getting excited about my love for travel and Star Wars. Um, And I must say that when I did go to Tunisia, I really did have to build some bridges for the 
cultural gaps because there was no English there. People were speaking French or Arabic when I was in the capital of Tunis and I needed to get all the way down south to Mat Mata for the Lars Homestead and I had to use their public transport system, the Luages, but even though that I didn't speak English, it was so obvious that I wasn't from there and they helped me very kindly and uh, I really enjoyed their food. God, they ate a massive, massive soup. Imagine eating that in the actual Luke's home but it's Tunisian food, so it's great. So highly recommend travel, um, speaking other languages, and mixing it in with your Star Wars. Conversations at Dan Charles. Listen to their podcast and you'll go far. With their knowledge you should lend an ear. There's so much fun, let's give them a cheer. Conversations, it's a translation to a Star Wars nation. It's a celebration. And there we go. Oh, those guys are great. That was fantastic. What a great set of answers. Love the music. And, uh, <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> it's right up there now with Wookie Radio now. <laughs> right, right. Now we might have a, uh, a theme song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, thank you very much, guys. Those were great, insightful answers. And, uh, it was a fascinating tour, uh, of, how the both of you enjoy Star Wars and how it affects your daily lives. And, you know, from a continent that's so far away from where we are, you know, we've become great friends through Twitter and through our podcasts. And it's, uh, it's eerie how similar all of our likes are. And it's, that's what I see too, as part of the uh, Star Wars community as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's part of our whole, um, our whole thing with this is is having people from every corner of the globe, literally the other side of the world, uh, with similar interests and and personalities and creativities to um, to share that with. So thank you so much for answering those, and uh, that will do it for part one of Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren, and um, we will do part two. Uh, in two weeks and we'll complete that story and until then you can reach us at uh, conversations.com you can also uh, reach us uh, on facebook at facebook.com forward slash conversations um, we are also on twitter and our handle there is at suations and um, oh and instagram we are on instagram now and you uh, are yes and having great fun there as well so that's also uh, instagram.com forward slash conversations and I think that's it, right? Oh, I the email. So. Well, the email. There's a yeah. conversation email dot com. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> at geocities.com forward slash conversations. <laughs> Such idiots. But uh, until the next time. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Thank you.
The force is strong with them. Oh, I agree, Master Plo. The force is very strong with these conversations. This is the conversation you're looking for.